Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, June 5th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. We're going to answer your questions from the front row message board today. We're going to start right at the top with Borny22. Jay Book, he asked you, if the Big Ten goes with no non-conference games and has 10 conference games, how will the 10th team be decided? And for those who don't know out there, you know it. J book but there's a note there big 10 plays nine conference games they play each of the teams in the division so that's six teams and they have three crossover games so that's nine games total so there'd be one more crossover game how do you think that they would do that J book yeah that's a great question by him um, I'm not sure how they would do it it would have to be the schedule makers in and the, the big 10 office who's going to have to, to determine that but one thing is for sure though if if you're someone who has the major top crossover teams on your schedule already, you better hope like heck that you probably get one of those bottom tier teams. Um, if you're Ohio State, the thing that you want to hope for is that that's a home game um, because right now the situation would look like if they had 10 Big Ten games, I don't know how the playoff committee will weigh strength of schedules in this instance or if somebody had – uh, a powerful non-conference game with a schedule, would they get credit? Who knows? I mean, there's so much uncharted territory, but I think it would be a situation where the Big Ten office would need to determine that. So if, if any, for example, if someone's getting uh, Rutgers on the schedule as their additional one, um, that right there is not necessarily going to help their strength of scheduling there, but it will probably help them when it comes to benefiting for an easy win. Yeah, I think it would be some type of lottery, maybe like uh... – the old school NBA lottery with the ping pong balls in there minus the lottery being rigged for Patrick Ewing. All right. <laughs> next question is also from Borny 22 J book JK Dobbins had 2,250 total yards last season, including a school record 2,003 rushing yards. All right. Over under, he wants to know 1,500 total yards rushing and receiving combined for Trey Sermon this year. You going over or under, Jay Book? For me, I think, I definitely think that I'm going, I'm going to go over in this instance. And the reason that I say that is because you have essentially 445 carries that are up for grabs between J.K. Dobbins and Master T. Um, the, the status is still out on Teague. I would be really surprised if he's healthy and ready to go and not necessarily ready to go, but playing at a high level once the season starts. So what does that mean? That means that uh, a guy like Trey Sermon is going to have 
ample opportunity to be a bell cow back. Um, he's going to be a, he's going to get plenty of touches in this offense. He's played in the spread offense, and Ohio State can't have Justin Fields throwing the football 50 times a game. That's just not who we are. We're a power football team with with pro and spread concepts, so they're going to need to be able to run the football to at least keep defenses a little bit honest there when it comes to the running back position. I agree 100%. I don't think he's going to approach 2,000 yards total, but I think he's going to go over 1,500. All right, next question is from LJ Ventresco. LJ Ventresco asks, Jay Book, if you could have three running backs in their prime next season, out of these four, who would they be? Archie Griffin, Eddie George, Ezekiel Elliott, or J.K. Dobbins? Who are you leaving out, Jay Book, of that awesome foursome? Yeah, you know, you know what's crazy? I'll have to leave out the two-time Heisman winner, Archie Griffin. Oh, and I, man. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I tell you why I just think that we both know what we're getting out of Zeke and Dobbins in today's game. Um, if, if Zeke was coming back to college right now, I think that you know with with Justin Fields there, he's going to be he would be an absolute monster. And then you throw Eddie George in there, it you you see the 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 makings of Eddie George when you look at Derrick Henry. But, but I think. I think Eddie George was a little bit more fluid. So if you threw Eddie George into what you see now and as far as offenses, and then the thing that you also have to take into consideration, the game has drastically changed from when the time that Eddie George was playing as far as the rules and the, the rules benefiting the offenses. Eddie George would just be out there lowering the boom on a lot of these kids, and I think that he would absolutely flourish. I mean, for Archie, you know, it, it, I just think that Archie was gifted during his time. He dominated at his time. But I look at the more modern athlete that will be able to give me that extra juice that I need. Man, I cannot believe you're leaving out Archie of all three. I mean, of all four of those. I mean, Archie, like for me, is just, first of all, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I really do. And I think, really, I think Ezekiel might be the best of them. He was just such a great running back. He's also the best blocking running back I've ever seen. But Archie compared to Dobbins where it comes down for me and really and Eddie as well cuz I I immediately I have Ezekiel Elliott in there. And if Keith Byers was in this it'd be an even tougher dis- discussion because Keith Byers was fantastic too. But I look at Dobbins against Archie and they're similar players. And Archie, I think people look at Archie's NFL career and he was so beat up by the time he got to the NFL. He played 4 years at Ohio State including Three years, we got a ton of carries on AstroTurf. It was everybody knew Ohio State was going to run the ball, and he was getting the hell beat out of him, and still found a way. You know, with his spin moves and everything he did, I, I just think if I'm taking Archie Griffin or J.K. Dobbins in their prime, to me they're similar players. I'm taking Archie Griffin, and I love J.K. Dobbins, but I am taking Mr. Archie Griffin, the two-time Heisman Trophy winner. This is going to be funny to read the comments tomorrow, Jay Book, to see uh, what more people say. Um, <laughs> But how good would Dobbins be in Archie's time, though? That's what, that's kind of what I try to put myself into. Like, if Dobbins played during Archie's time, would he be a two-time Heisman winner? I feel like, you know, if J.K. Dobbins can do what he did here and be a 2,000-yard back in the modern-day game, I think he would, with, with guys bigger, stronger, faster, I think that he could probably, you know, absolutely crush what he was doing now during that time. But who knows, especially the way they feed the football, but – 
I don't think there's a wrong answer, but it's a great question. It's a great debate and, and a, a question to have sitting around a table with your buddies having a beer or something. I'll say one last thing, and you can have the last word on it. I hear what you're saying, but imagine Archie Griffin playing in a Ryan Day offense. Now imagine, <laughs> now imagine J.K. Dobbins playing in a Woody Hayes offense. <laughs> you hear me? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you made a great point, and you almost you almost got me trying to trying to move a little bit off my stance there. But that's, that's, that's <laughs> oh, I love talking sports. All right, another question. This is from Borny Twenty Two again. Borny Twenty Two is asking three questions on the show, and I like it. They're all good questions. All right, Jay Book, if you had to bet the field or Trevor Lawrence plus Justin Fields to win the Heisman this season, who are you taking? I would take the, the bet with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields because the thing about the Heisman Trophy, um, a lot of times if you have the hype going into the season, you're going to get more of the benefit of the doubt. The thing that you have to look at for Justin Fields is he has he's playing in an offense where he, one, he's automatically going to put up monster numbers. Um, but two, He's playing an offense against inferior competition in the Big Ten. Ohio State is head and shoulders better than, you know, the entire Big Ten. Ohio State is head and shoulders talent-wise better than, you know, 98% of the teams in, in college football outside, you know, maybe arguably four or five other teams. So he's going to put up monster stats since that's what you have to have. Because think about this, Dave, if you go into a situation where Justin Fields in two years have put up 100 TDs, he's going, but he's going to be back in New York. It's going to take in a historic type of run from somebody else in order to beat him out if he puts up similar type of numbers. If I, I truly believe if, if Joe Burrow didn't step onto the scene last year and have the run that he had, I think there would have been a lot more noise for Justin Fields on what he did, especially for a guy going into, you know, the postseason looking at 50 touchdowns and, and one interception. I mean, that right there is historic amongst itself. And then Trevor Lawrence is always going to be there. I'm not really as high on Trevor Lawrence this year, um, especially with the the depletion of their wide receiver course, but he has immense talent. I think um, if he can really carry Clemson and he puts up big numbers, especially with a lot of his wide receiver core leaving, then he's going to be a guy that that's going to be in the mix. I agree with you a hundred percent, Jay book. I just, I would definitely take, and I would bet heavily on fields or Lawrence against the field. If it was just one of them, I would take the field. That's always a safer bet. But you give me those two, give me the two favorites against the field. Yeah, I, I would definitely take Fields or Lawrence over the field. Next question comes from OC Buckfan. OC Buckfan. Jay Book, going into the season, Clemson and Alabama look like they are the biggest threats to an Ohio State national title, which is no surprise. What is your breakdown of those teams? How do you think they would compare to Ohio State? Yeah, um, we'll start with Clemson, just looking at them. The thing that you – First thing that stands out to me when it comes to Clemson is their schedule is is terrible. Um, their best out of conference game is like Akron and the Citadel and uh, Notre Dame, and then the rest of the ACC is absolutely trash. So, to me, Clemson will be right where they're where they were at last year. But the thing is, I don't think Clemson is going to be as good. It's a people haven't really talked about it a lot, but the announcement 
from Clemson this week that Justin Ross, their star wide receiver, is going to be out for the season is a huge blow for them. Because if you look at their their passing attack in the playoffs, it was shut down with Akuda and Arnett really locking up Justin Fields and T. Higgins. Trevor Lawrence really – Justin Ross, yeah. Yeah, Justin, Justin Ross. Ross. Yes, yes, yes sir. sir. And, and where and where did, where did um, – Trevor Lawrence get his get his passing numbers from. He got him from dump offs to ATN in a screen game. And if you look at the national championship, they struggled they struggled throwing the football there. He was he looked awful in the national championship because his wide receivers couldn't get open. And those were his two top playmakers. And now those two are gone. What you're essentially asking is someone to step up big time from that wide receiver group who hasn't done it yet. Not saying it can't be done because Clemson has recruited, but you're asking a lot of guys who haven't played at that high level, who haven't really thrived on a, on the biggest stage, which is the playoffs, in order for them to, to get back to where they want to be, which is winning the national championship. But I think because of default, because the schedule is so terrible, that they they will be back in the playoffs. On defense there – um, they lost. They lost quite a bit of guys. You, you know, you look at the 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 star linebacker. He went first round to Arizona. Tanner Muse, the safety, he got picked up by the Raiders late. They had a corner get drafted early on, so they lost some guys. And as far as their defensive line, there, you Clemson's defensive line doesn't necessarily concern me because they get highly rated guys, but they really don't flash like that. That's not really how they go about their business and Brent Vendable's defense, their defensive line are talented, but they're not, they're not some, they're not world beaters. But like I said, as far as them, they'll be back. Alabama, that's, they're going to be a threat. I think Alabama, they're going to be projected once the preseason polls and stuff come out, start getting released. They're going to be projected to win the SEC. The thing about Alabama is they have a lot of question marks again, especially on defense. Now they get their um, star linebacker back. Um, Floyd, uh, Moses out of um, their five-star linebacker who had Torres ACL. He's back this year. So that's going to be a big um, the, a big boom to the inside of their defense. But the thing was, is Alabama, they had a lot of injuries last year. And with the quarterback coming back, Mac Jones, he performed at a very high level for a guy as a first-time starter. So if he can build off of that under Steve Sarkeesian's guidance, then they're going to be pretty good because they have two NFL wide receivers who are being projected as first-round picks um, once again. So the talent is there. And then Najee Harris, who a lot of people believe will be a first-round or second-round running back. So Alabama is Alabama. The talent speaks for itself. It's just going to be how will that defense get together because they gave up a ton of points in the SEC last year, and it cost them big time. But I think Ohio State and Alabama will be the two top teams when it comes to talent um, in the in the college football this year, unless somebody absolutely just has a tremendous breakout season. Um, you can see, you know, Georgia with Jamie Newman stepping up and with uh, Munkin coming over there as the offensive coordinator who's supposed to be changing their system completely around. That's one to keep an eye on. Quick follow-up before we get to our final question from a listener. You mentioned the quarterback uh, situation at Alabama. Mac Jones, to me last year, I agree. I thought he uh, he played better than I expected he would. He reminds me of A.J. McCarron, who wasn't flashy at all at Alabama, but won two national titles and was very steady. But 
they did sign the number one quarterback in the country, Bryce Young, uh, good friends with C.J. Stroud. Um, the Buckeyes are very happy to have C.J. Stroud. And it's going to be tough for Bryce Young being a true freshman. But, hey, Nick Saban has proven before he will start true freshman. Right, Tua? Right, uh, Jalen Hurts? Uh, Absolutely. Do you, think, do you think there's much ch- – do you think there's a good chance that Bryce Young could beat out Mac Jones? What, what do you think is going to happen there? I think there's a good chance. I mean, the the thing that you have to give Nick Saban – a lot of credit for it is he does not play favoritism. He does not play the seniority game. Um, he had the, the balls big enough to, to bench his all SEC player of the year quarterback in the, on the biggest stage at the biggest moment for a young, a young freshman. So he, he's not afraid to play the best guys. And if, and if the Bryce Young comes in there and he is as good as advertised as a lot of people think he is, and he goes into that camp. Um, but the one thing I will say is, speaking of camp, a lot of these young quarterbacks miss a significant amount of time, Dave. So they're going to be behind the curve. Um, if, if it was a situation where these young quarterbacks, and even at Ohio State, was able to go through a full spring practice, and they were able to get a grasp of the college speed, the college, you know, just the lifestyle in general, the the in-depth um, – calls on the playbook that it takes in order to understand it at the college level. I think he will have a much better shot. But if you're Alabama right now, and I think you're going to see Mac Jones at the helm, especially because they trust him and they don't have a lot of time with Bryce Young. If I tell you what, if Bryce Young is the starting quarterback come day one, that means that kid is phenomenal because he came in there with just a short amount of time and beat that kid out. Yeah, good situation for Alabama. I mean, I know everybody listening to the show is probably like, we don't want a good situation for Alabama. But you got the veteran quarterback in Mac Jones, and then they'll probably go with him. And then if something happens, if he doesn't perform well, if he gets hurt, you got the number one quarterback recruit in the country. Maybe he's a true freshman ready to come in. And, yeah, that's a good situation down there. Um, Of course, I'll take Ohio State's quarterback situation over anybody's in the country right now. Um, Love Justin Fields, love the backups, so – uh, the Buckeyes are not looking down on anybody or not looking up at anybody when it comes to quarterbacks. All right, final question on the show here, Jay Book. It's about Demario McCall. This comes from Buckeye Ball 14. Buckeye Ball 14 just basically wants to know, Jay Book, Demario McCall, he's a fifth-year senior now. He's been moving back and forth between running back, receiver. He's been a kick returner here and there, punt returner. Jay Book, what do you expect out of Demario McCall this year? Do you think he could – I don't think anybody, including Buckeye Ball 14 here, isn't asking if he's going to jump Trey Sermon for the starting spot. Could you see Damari McCall jumping Master Teague for the backup spot? Just what do you expect out of him this year? Yeah, uh, I I just don't have a lot of faith right now. I I was on the the um, I was on Demario McCall hype train for a while, man, because I thought you know. Two years ago, you know, that Michigan game when he lit up Devin Bush and and then you saw him getting meaningful snaps and the way that they was utilizing him uh, was beautiful. He was a Swiss Army knife. He They were forcing Big Ten linebackers to guard him in space and he was absolutely tearing them up. And then you look at, you know, him going into the Big Ten championship in the Rose Bowl and, and McCall was balling. And then last year, he's MIA. He just – they just didn't have a role for him. He didn't really fit in anywhere. Um, and then I think with the talent that we have now at the wide receiver's position, 
I don't know where he sees the field over some of the guys that we already have because a lot of these guys are true wide receivers that knows the position. They know how to run the routes. And majority of those guys are is NFL talent. Um, as far as the running back position, if, if it was up to me, I would have him spilling uh, Trey Sermon at times when he needs a blow until you get uh, Marcus Crowley back healthy and you get Master T back healthy. Now, once Master Teague is full goal and he's showing that he has the ability to make people miss in space, then I think you can see Demario's numbers and snaps being reduced. But but as but as of right <laughs> as of right now, as, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Your son is allowed to be on the show. We have Dwayne's. We're not we're not even cutting this out. We have Dwayne's dogs on the show all the time. This is good stuff. We're just going to pretend yeah. like we're live right now. <laughs> your son is allowed on the show. What's up, J-Book's son? What's your son's name? My son's name is Kyler. He just woke up from his nap. And what's up, Kyler? <laughs> he came into the room after his nap to say hi. <laughs> hi, Kyler. You're on the Bucknuts Morning 5, and we're not cutting this out. I promise. That's okay. You want to say hi? He doesn't want to. <laughs> he came in to give me a, a, a gummy. But, yeah, we just finished up the show. But I think DeMario has a chance uh, to really get a couple running back carries there. That's where they're going to need him most. But um, I hope for him, because he's stuck it out within the program for so long, that he'll be able to uh, find some type of way to help this football team, even if it's on special teams returning kicks. But as an every-down position player, to me, I think the wide receiver room is absolutely loaded right now. So running back will be my call where we could see him making some type of significant contribution. Very well said. Thank you to your contributions on the Bucknuts Morning 20 Plus here, Jay Book. And thank you to Kyler <laughs> for making his debut on the show. Really appreciate both of you. <laughs> and uh, thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you like the show, give us a five-star review. It really helps. Thanks again to Jay Book. Thanks again to Kyler. And thanks again to all the listeners out there. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's hear that Buckeye swag. Best damn band in the land. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.